0: Welcome and thank you for joining us on our latest installment of Women at Ropes Talk, a podcast series brought to you by the Women's Forum at Ropes and Gray. In this podcast, we spotlight extraordinary women who have had successful careers and interesting lives and are making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. We feature women attorneys at Ropes and Gray in conversation with prominent women clients, industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and others about their careers and what's led to their successes, the challenges they faced, and the hard-earned wisdom they've acquired. I'm Megan Baca, a partner at Ropes & Gray with a practice focusing on intellectual property and technology transactions, and I'm also co-head of the firm's Digital Health Initiative. I'm based in Silicon Valley. On this episode, I'm joined by my West Coast colleague, Tori McClary, who's based in San Francisco. Hi, Tori. Could you please introduce yourself and provide a brief overview of your practice?
1: My name is Tori McClary. I'm a partner at Ropes & Gray. My practice is focused on healthcare transactions, primarily representing nonprofit health systems, some for-profits, and academic medical centers and universities. Who is the special guest that you'll be interviewing on this episode? In this episode, I will be interviewing Ann Garcia, Senior Vice President and General Counsel of the Ohio State University. How did you meet and start working together? I met Anne several years ago uh, when I was in another law firm, and she was at another uh, university, and we had the opportunity to work together on a significant transaction. Uh, Anne was at St. Louis University at the time, and the university was doing a very complicated transaction where they were acquiring St. Louis University Hospital from Kennett, who had bought the hospital about a couple decades earlier and we were purchasing the hospital and contributing it to a new venture that we were forming with SSM Health uh, that was going to involve the construction of, of a new facility so it was uh, kind of a battle on two fronts the whole transaction had to come together simultaneously uh, and It ended up uh, being a very successful deal and a really good opportunity to connect with Anne, meet her, be in the trenches with her, and develop a really great working relationship and a really good friendship.
0: What are the most noteworthy matters you've worked on together?
1: In addition to the matter I just described for St. Louis University, Anne and I relatively recently worked on a transformative transaction together for the Ohio State University that involved the creation of a statewide and potentially beyond the state alliance that was intended to create an affiliation with the largest community hospital system in the state, Bon Secours Mercy Health, in uh, achieving together and working together to solve some of the state's um, most pressing health problems and to achieve some really critical strategic objectives. Um, And so we worked together to outline the structure of that relationship and create what ultimately uh, became known as the Healthy State Alliance.
0: What would you say is most notable about Anne's career?
1: I think what's really notable and impressive about Anne's career is how much she has accomplished at a relatively young age and in a relatively short amount of time how unlimited she is in her capacity to be curious, to learn, to challenge herself, and to explore new and different opportunities for her career, her willingness to be a mentor and a supporter and a leader. And I just think this is a quality that I've seen From the minute I met her and that I continue to just be incredibly impressed and inspired by and I think the sky is the limit for for what Anne will accomplish. I think she is a a truly impressive attorney and human being. Great.
0: With that, I will turn it over to you and Anne.
1: Hi, Anne. Welcome to our Women at Ropes Talk podcast. Thanks for
2: being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: So can you... Give us a little bit of background on yourself. Describe your career trajectory a bit
2: and tell us a little bit about the Ohio State University and your role there. Sure. Thanks, Tori. I've been here at Ohio State about six years. It'll be six years at the end of this year. Um, and I've been the general counsel for two years now. Um, it's a great role. I have the honor of leading um, both the legal and compliance organizations with my uh, wonderful partner, the Vice President of Compliance, Gates Garrity e. Rokas, who is really just a fantastic partner and collaborator um, who leads our compliance shop. Um, prior to coming to Ohio State, I was a Senior Associate General Counsel um, and led the legal team for the Health Sciences Enterprise at St. Louis University. Um, I also served in the um, role as chief compliance officer for the university for a number of years there. I think I was at SLU for about seven years. um, And I held a variety of roles there and over litigation and risk and, um, you know, did transactions and mergers. It's a, it's a hodgepodge of a background, not necessarily um, the usual for uh, an attorney. Um, I started out my attorney background in private practice and litigation um, and came up through uh, the ranks of defense litigation and, like many, um, gravitated to a specialty in uh, medical malpractice. I loved that work. Um, I found it fascinating to work with physicians and nurses and hospital administrators, and every case was different. You learned the medicine and um, had to work to understand Uh, the medical nuances of every case. Um, And after I left private practice is when I went in-house at St. Louis U and um, worked closely with the physician practice that was um, owned by the university there. And they had about a 500 FTE physician practice. And I managed the risk enterprise and uh, purchased the insurance for their self-insurance program. And then became more heavily involved in the compliance operations and the transactional side. So I'm a little bit different than a lot of attorneys. Um, Lots of them start out in litigation and stay in litigation, or they start out in the transactional world and stay there. And I've um, dipped my toe in um, lots of different waters, (laughs) Um, risk, insurance, litigation, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, and then was fortunate enough to come to Ohio State starting on the healthcare side and then taking this role on um, across the entire enterprise, uh, and it's been a great experience. So Anne, when the
1: opportunity uh, arose to take on the role of the university general counsel position and and move from the healthcare uh, GC role, what what was it that attracted you uh, to that opportunity? Because it was something
2: new and, and
1: slightly different than what you've been doing in the past?
2: As I had worked at Ohio State, even though I was um, primarily on the academic medical center side of the house, I had gotten more involved in working across the enterprise with uh, my partners on the university side, um, whether it had been on investigations or other significant matters, pieces of litigation, Um, And I really liked the work that I was doing across the enterprise, the enterprise-wide perspective. Um, When my predecessor uh, retired and I was asked to become the Interim General Counsel, uh, candidly, I wasn't sure I wanted the job permanently. I took on the Interim role, and I was honored to be asked um, by the president and the board to do that role. Um, But I wasn't sure um, that the role was for me. Um, I never had ambitions when I came to Ohio State to hold this role. Um, I was certainly very happy um, on the medical center side. Um, But when I got into the role, um, number one, I loved the team that I was working with. The people that I am fortunate enough to work with in the Office of Legal Affairs and Compliance are some of the best in the country. Um, They really are experts at what they do. Um, they are wonderful people who are dedicated to their work. They're dedicated to the place. Um, they're also fun people that I would um, absolutely have uh, in my foxhole with me if I ever um, needed them there, and they certainly have been there with me at times. Um, number two, I um, have really grown to love Ohio State. Um, my husband <laughs> is the Buckeye in our family. Um, he he went to Ohio State. I did not. Uh, He tells people he uh, won the marriage when I took the job here, Um, but I really have a special affinity for Ohio State, and I had now worked with the board closely and um, both with the then president and now the current president, uh, and I really have enjoyed that work. Um, I find something very uh, exciting about working on complex, difficult problems and strategizing with people to figure out solutions and working across the entire enterprise for which part of that is the medical center um, was really exciting to me. And so as I uh, was working through the interim role and then um, the search began, um, I really wanted to put my hat in the ring and I did and I was fortunate enough to be selected. So um, I I really enjoy the role. Um, It's hard work, it's hard work every day. On a big institution like this, there's never a slow day, and um, every day is different than what you expect it's going to be, but I really enjoy it. Speaking of hard
1: work, um, I think that's a, a great segue to the next question, which uh, what
2: is keeping you up at night at work these days? I couldn't talk um, about the last year and a half without talking about COVID. Um, being on a college campus with an academic medical center, with a major athletics program, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. Um, You know, COVID has been something that we have managed um, like all higher education institutions, but I think we've done it quite well. And the safety of our students and our faculty and our staff has been paramount. So it's something that we, I worry about, it's something that our cabinet worries about and we take it very, very seriously. Um, I think that we have put a lot of steps in place um, to promote vaccination. We have required vaccination, um, and that's been a big part of our COVID efforts. We've put a lot of safety measures in place. We've required masking. Um, We also have taken a lot of safety efforts um, beyond COVID, as we've seen um, some crime in our near-campus neighborhoods, and that's been a high-priority Um, of our leaders, and and certainly our president. Um, So that safety focus is very important to us. Um, Along with that safety, I think that we, and for me particularly, I've been, I think, you know, very focused on people's mental health and the caretaking that needs to take place. Um, There's a lot that's going on with COVID, um, and I would say even a little bit of post-COVID. People are working harder than they have ever worked um, they're doing things faster, better, turning um, contracts. When we think about legal, frontline healthcare workers, when we think about our uh, academic medical center, they are um, teaching classes in a new and different way if it's online. And as they're doing innovation and research and our students are learning and looking for jobs, everything they're doing is you know, really being done in a a different way. And I think there, you know, there's more caretaking and more um, focus we need to to put on how we take care of each other. You know, those are the things that keep me up.
1: Sticking just with the theme of of COVID, can you talk um, more specifically about how that's impacted your uh, legal team and how you all, uh, you know, engage in, with each other and with the broader university and, and just in the performance of your job?
2: Yeah, I, I think things have, have changed a lot. I mean, some things will never change, right? We still, um, when we talk about the, you know, the provision of legal services for Ohio state, um, you know, we want to be collaborators and I, you know, I tell the team consistently whether it's pre COVID post COVID, we want to be strategists, pathfinders, you know, absolute partners to our clients. That will always remain a constant. And we always want to put out an excellent work product um, with and for them. Um, Things that are different, though, is certainly the environment's different. Um, You know, we were, um, we're one of the biggest legal offices, you know, in-house in higher education in the country, every person in our, our team, both legal and compliance, was full time in the office prior to COVID, like many others. Um, Then when COVID struck in March of 2020, we sent everybody home. So, you know, everyone was full-time at home, um, you know, essentially for um, more than a year. We brought everyone back uh, in August And that was really the first time that people were back uh, in a different format. We went to a hybrid model um, where everyone was offered the opportunity to go, um, what I describe as three and two. They had to be in the office minimally two days a week, and they could be remote three days a week. And that has really changed the way that we work. But it's also changed the way we mentor young attorneys, Um, As you know, Tori, you know, when you're a more junior experienced attorney, you know, there's a real learning atmosphere. Um, You know, you don't go to law school to learn to be an attorney. You go to law school to learn a way of thinking. And you really learn to be an attorney um, at the jobs that you work. And part of that is interacting with more senior experienced individuals, you know, walking down the hall, talking through issues, um, looking at, Um, a document, a memo, you know, together, just talking through an issue together. um, You really learn a lot. We don't want to shortchange the mentorship of some of our more junior experienced um, team members. We also want to make sure we're developing them, both the attorneys, paralegals, other staff members, um, and that we're also giving them opportunities to you know, work across the office, team together on various projects. Um, I really think that teaming um, has really led to some of our best work. And how do we do that effectively? Um, what meetings need to happen in person versus you know over a Zoom or a Teams or a you know other format electronically? So so we're trying to figure all of that out, like everyone else, right across the country. But it really has started to. Kind of change the way that we do things, and also think about changing the way that we, um, you know, ch- kind of professionally develop people.
1: The so way you described the the challenges of kind of teaching and mentoring the
2: more junior attorneys,
1: I I think you put that really well. I think on the flip side, one advantage I guess I've heard uh, about the the Zoom um, phenomenon is that sometimes it actually does give some more junior attorneys access and opportunity to participate in meetings because you're not space constrained by an office or a meeting room, and so in some cases it can actually create more access and opportunities for junior attorneys. But um, obviously, I think the challenges still outweigh the benefits at this point. Sticking with the the enterprise in Ohio State um, and kind of what you're you're doing there and what are you kind of excited about and what what do you think your role is
2: in supporting uh, the Ohio State University's success? Um, there's so many things I'm excited about. Um, you know, our, our president, Christina Johnson, um, has been here just over a year um, and she is a, a mover and a shaker. Um, she's got fantastic vision for the institution, so I'm I'm super excited about uh, working with her and and seeing that vision really get executed. Um, I think one of the things as she has come on board and brought um, members of her cabinet on board is, is really innovation. Um, She's added not only members of the team, but vision around um, innovation. And I think, you know, keeping a, a university and a university relevant is really being on the, you know, the cutting edge of the next thing. And I, I wish I could say that I'm one of those people that's on the cutting edge of the next thing. I am I am not one of those people, but I am happy to help execute that vision for um, all of the creative entrepreneurs out there. Um, and I think it's, it's really fun to be part of that. Um, I love to be at the table strategizing and collaborating on those types of things. And we have a a wonderful innovation district that's going up on our West campus. It's really an anchor to the entire city of Columbus. Um, We're going to um, attract all kinds of really neat partners. Um, And I think that will be fantastic for the university and really uh, an exceptional opportunity for our researchers to do um, great things with industry. And I think that's, that's the cutting edge next step, right? It's, taking the research out of the lab, out of the classroom, and really partnering with industry and seeing that research being realized. Taking those bench research and turning it into the life-saving drug um, and really having those next discoveries uh, materialize and, and help the world. And, you know, we're just a small part of that in legal but um, the contracts we execute, the strategies we help to deliver, um, it's exciting to be part of that. That sounds fantastic. I can definitely understand why you're excited
1: about all of that. It, it sounds incredible. Shifting gears a little bit to kind of your your own personal career trajectory, I have a few questions for you on that topic. Starting with, what attracted you to law in the first place?
2: so I don't have any lawyers in my family. Um, you know, my immediate family, um, uh, my mom was a college professor. Um, uh, my dad was a banker by trade. Um, I, you know, my mom always told me that I w- was going to be a lawyer because I like to talk to people. And I think there's probably some truth to that. Um, I, you know, she talked to everybody <laughs> that we ever met and, uh, and I think I, um, I, you know, I'm one of those people that, um, kind of had a natural way to strike up a conversation with people. Um, and I wanted to help people. Uh, once upon a time, I thought I was going to be a doctor. And uh, then I met organic chemistry uh, my freshman year mm-hmm. of college at Notre Dame. And that was the end of that. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, um, I re- redirected. Um, but I think for me, I, I really wanted to have a way I could um, help people. And I think the law for me was a way to do it. Um, you know, it probably sounds a little different when I started as a you know, a defense litigator, but um, when I started doing you know med mal work and would work on these cases, um, it was it was meaningful, right? to understand the medicine and to understand what was going on in the cases and being able to, you know, f- impact how they were um, you know, affecting people's lives, right? And, um, you know, for me, I thought my skill set could be helpful to someone else. And that was a big part of um, what attracted me to the law to begin with.
1: And what would you kind of looking back now, say, your biggest career win has been
2: uh, to date? You know, there's been a couple along the way. um, But I think one of the biggest ones I worked on with you, Tori, um, you know, when, when I was at St. Louis U., um, we did a you know a big transaction together. Um, and, and at the time that I was there, the university hospital was under separate ownership than the faculty practice. And one of kind of the last acts was a team effort. It certainly wasn't just me, um, but I led the internal team with the help of you um, and your team uh, on the outside, um, to repurchase, the university hospital and then place it into a new uh, transaction. And, and that was really significant because the, the physicians were extremely hardworking, um, and they had worked just um, tirelessly um, to provide, you know, exceptional patient care, but they desperately needed a new hospital. And part of that transaction was to build a new hospital and um, become part of a new, um, venture with a, a different hospital entity that was, um, I would say, similar vision, values, mission-based, um, like the university. Um, and so, you know, getting a group of people together, um, a group of um, physicians, you know, to align around a goal and a concept—that's not an easy task. Um, and these folks did, and um, we got that what they were seeking delivered in that deal, um, and. Uh, you know, I was very proud of that.
1: I remember that deal very well.
2: That was when we were
1: in the trenches together and, and became very close friends. I think, you know, to this day that um, the way you approached the that transaction and a, and a new area of law for yourself was, was very inspiring. And I think about it often. Um, in my own in my own career, uh, when opportunities arise and maybe they're a bit outside my comfort zone, and just think you know, there's a, a certain kind of person uh, that will rise to the challenge and um, make things happen and uh, succeed in accomplishing something for their institution, and and watching you learn and what you accomplished on that on that deal was was wildly impressive. Let's talk about who has influenced. And inspired you in your career. Who who would that person be, and and what made their role in your career so meaningful?
2: Yeah. So um, I would say I would say there are two people. I know that I should be giving you one answer, but um, for me, it's it's both personal and professional. So on the personal side, I I couldn't not answer this question in this way, um, which is my mom, and um, part of that is. Um, I lost my mom this summer, and I spent a lot of months in the after that loss reflecting, and uh, in, in ways about her impact on my life, which I couldn't even capture if we had all the hours and the day on this podcast. But um, she's had such an impact, and um, as a speech communications and public speaking professor, I think so much about my interactions on a daily basis, and as a lawyer, um, have been driven, you know, by her. Um, on the professional side, I think about um, a, a friend and mentor uh, that I worked with at St. Louis U. Uh, she was actually the former compliance officer before I uh, took on the mantle. She moved on to a, a more senior operations role. And um, I think about her as an influence on my career in several different ways. One, she is a um, fantastic, you know, public speaker, witty person trusted individual um and people always need that trusted great advisor in their career and she is definitely that Um, the other thing that i think about is um she's not a lawyer and i i always think about um the fact that she (laughs) inevitably when we were working on investigations together um you know she had had um several decades more experience uh, in the investigatory space than I did, and that was fantastic to learn from and be mentored by, um, but she'd often sit down and, and tell people, um, you know, don't worry, I'm I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> and and she'd use that to put them at ease um, in the room as she was asking them questions or gaining information, and that always was one of the, you know, a thousand things that, that she did and um, that I learned from that really stuck with me. Um, because I think sometimes we forget um, as lawyers, um, you know, that that kind of creates a dynamic uh, with people and that we have to kind of get through that dynamic. There's a formalism, um, kind of a, a wall that can be created when you carry that moniker um, and it's important, particularly when you're doing investigation work, um, that you can build a rapport with people, that you can get to the heart of the issues. So, you know, I think I've worked with some fantastic lawyers um, who have also influenced my career, but this individual um, has taught me a lot about um, learning to build relationships and do investigations. And I think a lot of that um has come from, you know, her role both in compliance, operations, and really her talent uh, with people.
1: I'm, I'm realizing I, I've been fortunate enough to, to meet the two uh, phenomenal women that, that you just mentioned, um, and I'm sorry for, for your loss, and, and um, Thanks. your your mother, uh, I, I have great memories of, of having dinner with her, and her story is from her past, and, and she was... Um, a wonderful person, and I know the impact she's had on your life. So I I feel kind of fortunate I got to meet these really, really special people um, through you. Shifting gears a a little bit, I think it is interesting you you happen to name two women as as the greatest influences in in your career, um, personally and professionally, Um, but there is a challenge uh, to, to just acknowledge reality with attrition. Um, among women in the legal profession. And do you have any thoughts or tips or ideas about, you know, how uh, to retain women and kind of what has worked for you personally in in keeping you in law and helping you achieve uh, what you have in in the industry?
2: I I think the one thing that's worked for me in terms of how I try to make sure I treat the women in my office is um, number one, an acknowledgement that I think it's, it's just tougher for women, right? Um, It's a tougher set of circumstance. Um, You've got to do it better. You've got to do it harder. You've got to be super mom while you're also being super lawyer. And I think it's incumbent upon us to support women in law um, I, you know, I think back to when I was a baby lawyer, just starting out um, at you know the first big law firm I worked for, and um, I was you know starry eyed and working for um, you know a, a big senior female partner, thinking this is great, she's going to mentor me and um, it's going to be a fantastic relationship, um, and it was horrible. Um, and I don't mean by, um, hard work. I pride myself on being able to work hard, but I think, you know, she had been put through a a pretty horrible experience, um, in a different time. Um, and she felt she needed to extract that experience out on other as, you know, young female attorneys, both me and others coming up. Um, and that's not something that should happen. And I would never want that to happen to my daughter or anyone else. And um, what I have prided myself on for everyone who works in my team, um, and certainly the women, is that we have an environment of support. Um, I want the women here to feel like they can have, you know, a level of work-life balance. I think that we have to have mechanisms to support everybody. Um, give them time to be with their families, Um, you know, if they don't have kids, with their spouses, their partners, um, you know, their extended families, whatever it may be, um, you know, it can't be work, work, work all the time. Um, You know, that full, rich life experience produces the best work. If people are at their wits end, um, you don't get the best work out of them. Um, And, you know, we learned from, you know, having people work at home the whole time that we saw some of the best work product, the same commitment we always saw from having them work in a different environment. Um, We have tried to put mentoring programs together, both in our office, um, signing internal mentors. We've also um, assigned external mentors. um, And again, that's for everyone, um you know, we've also um, talked to some of the women in our office how do we you know foster particularly some of the challenges that the women face? And when, when I say not foster the challenges, but foster them through those challenges, um, it, it's you know it's just different, you know, in terms of having to plan for uh, being away when you have uh, a baby and returning into the workforce. You know, we've been through some of those things. And how do we, you know, help others go through them and fully support them as they have time away um, and make sure, you know, as they come back, they feel a gentle reentry um, and not overwhelmed when they return um, so we try to make sure that, you know, this is a place that they want to be, that they want to be long term. Um, and if there are things they need in terms of um, help along the way that we're here to help them. I, I really, you know, really want people to be in an environment that is supportive to them. And that's really important to me um, as the leader of this team. You
1: mentioned what you've done kind of internally within your organization to support women, but I wanted to also mention that um, personally, uh, when you've what you've done to support my career, um, you know including giving me opportunities to support you in your role at Ohio State, including a transaction we did together to create an affiliation between the university and uh, Bontacor's Mercy Health and kind of bringing me in to work with you on that matter. That gives me an opportunity um, to kind of contribute to create teams where I can uh, give opportunities to women to to learn and to do um, exciting deals and to work with, with people like you. So it's, it's not even just what you're doing internally, but it's also what you're doing kind of externally um, that that is really having an impact and it's really meaningful. So I wanted to mention that and and thank you for that and what advice do you have for women who
2: are just getting started in their legal careers? Um, It's a great question so I would say a a little bit of what I said earlier um, you know I think you you want to make sure you're trying on different things in the law Um, you know particularly as I said you know law school teaches you a way to think it doesn't teach you how to be a lawyer And when you start in your legal career, you may get assigned to a practice group or a different area. Don't be afraid to take on something outside your comfort zone. Um, It's really important that you jump into a variety of things. Um, You know, the first thing you try on is certainly not where you're going to end up likely in your career. Um, And as I said, you know, I, Was a litigator, and then I did risk, and then I did compliance, and then I did transactions. And now, in the job that I have, I use all of it, all of it, as I, you know, in my day to day job. So I think it's really important, um, and I think it was that broad range of skill sets that has really served me well and helped me that you try all different things that come at you as a young lawyer. And don't be afraid that you don't know it well, that you can't do it. Um, again, you know, if, if you're smart and you work hard, you can do anything. So I, I think jump in and, and try different things on, uh, and you might be surprised that you'll find something unexpected that you like.
1: While well, well on the topic, I guess, of, of women maybe shifting um, more broadly to diversity and inclusion efforts, is there anything in particular that you're doing or, or, or have done at Ohio State regarding diversity and inclusion
2: that you're particularly proud of and would like to share? There are tremendous diversity efforts going on at Ohio State broadly. I would say the one thing that um, I'm particularly proud of in the Office of Legal Affairs is we, um, like many across the country, um, put some renewed efforts into our diversity inclusion efforts um, about a year and a half ago. Um, this has been a focus for us for a long time, but when I took on the role two years ago as um, general counsel, it was important to me to re-focus um, the lens on this. We um, established what we describe as the idea committee. It's um, inclusion, diversity, equity. And then the last um, letter stands for action um, because we didn't want to just talk about inclusion and diversity and equity issues. We wanted to take some action on it. We have training requirements across the university, for instance, in um, uh, you know report equals support, which is our um, you know sexual um, misconduct training that's required across the whole university. And we thought to ourselves that's very important, and we all take it, and we um, you know it's mandated. Um, but we don't have a mandated diversity training. And so we decided within our office in legal and compliance, um, we would require um, a comparable training in diversity and inclusion. Um, we also established a series underneath this committee called Coffee Talks, um, where we would gather and we do that on a monthly basis um, and really have some very honest, sometimes very difficult conversations. And they were safe spaces that people could come and talk, um, listen, or do both, um, and really have honest, thoughtful dialogues. Um, There were great learnings to be had through those conversations um, and really um, was great engagement. Um, Not always easy conversations to be had, um, but we didn't feel like we would get better as a department around these issues if we were either not talking or just having easy conversations.
1: I like your acronym, and I, I especially like the uh, A for action. <laughs> that's, that's that's great. Well, Anne, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your thoughts. It was such a pleasure catching up with you, and um, I am really excited to share this podcast with with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well.
0: Tori and Ann, thank you both so much. And as always, thanks to our listeners. For more information about Ropes and Gray's Women's Forum and our women attorneys, please visit www.ropesgray.com women. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.